Hello, everyone. It's Matthew DeMello, your host of The Fiona Show, Cross-Border Solutions' weekly podcast about all things transfer pricing. This morning, we have Cross-Border Solutions' riveting CEO, Don Scherer, discussing an even more riveting topic. Sorry, Don. Artificial intelligence, or AI, as we disruptors like to call it. To start, we're going to take you for a long ride down a winding road along a cliff in a driverless car, powered, of course, by AI. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. And the truth is, we don't have to do that to demonstrate AI is already everywhere. Just look at your Facebook feed, your Netflix recommendations, and your Spotify playlists. Amazon's using AI-driven drones to deliver packages. Banks are using AI to detect fraud. And tax professionals are using AI for, well, not that much. But that's about to change. In fact, today we are going to talk about what AI can do for you in the world of tax. Hello, everyone. Don't mean to disrupt. I mean interrupt. But this episode sounds right up my alley. Indeed it is, Fiona. Just a quick note here on CPE credits. We'll plant two code words in this podcast. And to earn your credits, send both of those words to The Fiona Show, all one word, at crossbordersolutions.io.io, not .com. So as we were saying, we're looking at the current dismal, minuscule, microscopic role AI is playing in tax departments now and how, if given the chance, it can change your tax department's functions, efficiency, and make tax professionals' roles Overall, so much more interesting. I see a lot of scared faces out there. Ha. 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 I'm just messing with you. I don't have facial recognition technology. Yet. <laughs> Very funny, Fiona. Anyway, before we move on, let's have a look at transfer pricing in the news. Just when you didn't think it was possible for the ATO, that's the Australian Taxation Office, to crack down on multinational companies any further, they go and announce they're putting inbound distributors under the microscope. What, the new tax avoidance task force doesn't have enough to do, I might? The new practical compliance guideline, now there's a friendly term, explains how the Aussie authorities will rate the transfer pricing risk on transactions involving incoming goods or services for resale and digital products and services with foreign entity-owned IP. The nutshell, if the ATO deems you low-risk, you're in the clear. They won't waste their time. But if you're outside of the low-risk realm, the ATO will free up resources to get this, monitor, test, and or verify that you're operating at arm's length. If you're an inbound distributor that reports losses year after year, well, uh, stop. And oh yeah, prepare for an audit. You gotta love the IRS, home to one of the world's highest tax rates. The U.S. government office's large business and international division just launched the new captive service provider, a campaign to ensure that U.S.-based companies pay their foreign subsidiaries arm's length prices and not a cent more. The campaign suggests that if American companies pay their foreign subsidiaries more than arm's length, they're guilty of profit shifting and run the risk of reducing the tax take of one of the world's greediest, <laughs> I mean, big as tax collectors, the IRS. Don't blame the Minister of Finance and Economic Development if you submit the wrong transfer pricing documentation in Zimbabwe. The country just released its 2019 transfer pricing rules and regulations, and you might notice the non-OECD member sounds very OECD-like in its laundry list of requirements. The country wants to see an overview of your business operations, a description of the overall corporate structure, the controlled transactions, and insight into your transfer pricing methodology, yada, yada, yada. Of course, 
The authorities are also expecting a full comparability analysis, including research documents and advanced pricing agreements, and all must be prepared contemporaneously. Granted, it's a lot of work, but given that Zimbabwe holds the Guinness World Record for the country with the highest number of official languages, it's true, 16, in case you were wondering. You can be grateful for one thing. You can submit your paperwork in English. A global pandemic, a grim economic forecast, feeling the squeeze, an R&D tax credit can help lower your burn. If you qualify, the IRS and some state governments will give you a tax credit equal to 10% of your company's spend on development activities. You can even take the credit against payroll taxes if you're in the red. All you have to do is claim it. So what's stopping you? If an expensive application process is turning you off, sorry, now you really have no excuse. Cross-Border Solutions AI-driven R&D tax credit software eliminates the need for pricey consultants and allows you to apply for R&D credits all over the world for one low fee. After all, why should you have to spend your whole R&D tax credit on getting your R&D tax credit? It's your money. Keep more of it with Cross-Border Solutions, the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. Request a demo today. Visit xbs.ai rd. That's xbs.ai rd. And now let's welcome a very special guest speaker, a man who is very hard to get, and you think you're busy, Don Scherer, Cross-Border Solutions CEO. He is going to discuss how artificial intelligence is revolutionizing tax compliance. He is uniquely suited to speak on this topic as he has been on the forefront of the intersection of tax and technology for 20 years. Donald, thank you so much and welcome to The Fiona Show. We're really excited to have you here. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be part of this podcast. So uh, before we get started, let's let's talk a little bit about you. Um, first, how did you get into tax and transfer pricing? It, unlike Mimi, I heard Mimi's podcast the other day, and she chose to come and work at Cross Border and get into transfer pricing. Mine was an accidental thing. Right. Um, I was an international tax guy at KPMG, and one day a, pro, a partner came up and said, can you write up a report. It was the early days of transfer pricing. And I found I liked it. It was more, allowed you to be a little bit creative. It allowed you to do, write reports rather than work with numbers, which was never my strong suit. Um, so after going to working with KPMG, I went over to work with International Tax Services Group with Ernst & Young in New York and London, where I basically started to specialize in transfer pricing. Um, and that's that and then you know we cross border solutions one came from there but that's that's really my start in transfer pricing a partner had a project gave it to me and i kind of liked it yeah and, and where in that process did you come up with did you know that you were going to do cross border no that that's a great that's a great <laughs> when when i was working at ENY, i had the idea to do a risk analysis program where we would look at 5471s and 5472s, and we would then analyze the client's risk of being audited in a given country. Mm -hmm. And I did some really light programming work, and I automated it. And we were sending out these, doc these basically risk analysis reports to all these clients um, in the early days of transfer pricing. Mm -hmm. A lot of them never even heard of transfer pricing. And that's where I sort of got the bug of using 
technology with tax. And, and that, that evolved? You didn't just launch into a cross-border one with only that idea? Or? No, no, no. After doing, after spending oh, almost three or four years doing transfer pricing at ENY, um, and I was by that point doing the studies, doing the functional interviews, doing comp searches. I was actually doing the full, mm -hmm. full nine yards of it. Um, I started to see patterns that over and over again we were doing, doing the same thing. And it, it seemed to me that if you're doing it like that, then software could do it because you're doing it over and over and over again. And that I thought it would be perfect for software. And I, I, although I know how to code a little bit, I'm not a software per se engineer. And I looked around and I really only knew one person that knew how to code at that point, and that was my mother. <laughs> the, 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 problem was, the problem was that she had a full-time job and she was happily working on Wall Street and making more money than she's ever made before in her life. And so I came to her and I said, we should, we, we should both quit our jobs and uh, go start this transfer pricing software company. And at that point, you got to realize that everyone was starting companies. Every uh, magazine, com, yeah. yeah, yeah, every magazine you read, there was, you know, oh, they, they sat down, worked in their garage, came up with some some sort of Flimsy software, website, yeah. put it in like a manila envelope, sent it out and became multimillionaire. So everyone was doing it. And so I said, we should do this. And then I looked at what I was making and what she was making. I was making a lot less. I said, all <laughs> we have to do is sell like 20 of these a year and we're good. And I don't have to work for the big four anymore. Back then it was the big five. And you don't have to work on Wall Street. And that's really how Cross Border Solutions got started. It got right. started by... Um, by me somehow convincing my mother to 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 go down this right. journey, and the technology that went into Cross Border One was a, is a very very different than the technology and the forethought going yeah. into <laughs> the, Cross Border Two. The technology we had at Cross Border One, and this is I mean this is silly <laughs> if you look back now. My mother, although she was a software engineer, she was working on Wall Street um, running trading databases. So she wasn't per se a software, uh, a full stack coder. She knew Microsoft Access, right? which is not by any stretch a real development program. It is, it is meant to be used by non-software professionals to be able to quickly prototype stuff. Yeah. But that's what she knew. Right. So he said, all right, we're going to build it in Microsoft Access, which is ridiculous. No one builds commercial software in Microsoft Access. We, it, it took us, we thought we were going to do it in six months, right? If you remember back, I said, we're going to do this for six months. <laughs> we didn't have a garage, so we were working in her living room. We said, we'll do it in six months. We'll start selling it for 5000 bucks. We'll sell X number. We'll make more money than we are, and that will be that. The problem is it took three years. Because, um, again, one, I guess, one, we didn't know what we were doing. And two, she, two, she, we didn't know, it had never been automated. So we were making up a lot of stuff as we went along. Mm -hmm. um, there were no rules on what a transfer pricing report at that point should look like. Too many people, everyone was doing something different. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of just said, all right, we're going to make it up our way. Um, and it took us three years, but we got it out. Our first client was Pepsi. Our next client wow. was Intel, and we wow. were off, and we were off running. Um, that that code line, that code line, supported the entire product um, through the life of Cross Border One. And when we sold the company to Thomson Reuters, 
there were almost 1,400, maybe even 1,500 customers using that mm -hmm. Microsoft Access product. Um, what, uh, I'll give a shout out to my mother. It was almost bug free. <laughs> so, 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 which was incredible because literally you never see that. There were no bugs. It worked great. Wow. Um, she, she, she made it all by herself or did you have oh, a team no, by no, that no, point? All, no, no, she, she coded almost every line. Um, my sister was brought on after a year because we weren't getting done. She did the reports. Um, I did I did a lot of the verbiage. So mm -hmm. now when you look at a transfer pricing report, the first 20 or 30 pages are country-specific verbiage. Mm -hmm. When we first started, that wasn't there. I thought, hey, let's make these things thicker. So, um, anyway, also I needed something to do while they were all working on hard <laughs> on the code and report. So I wrote those introductory seg sections, for instance. And um, if you look back now, everyone uses, every report that comes out worldwide has that, but that's because one night in a living room, we said, yeah, I guess we should have thick introductory <laughs> sections. Let's, let's try it. We were winging it as we went along, and because we became the standard, and because mm -hmm. so many companies started to use us, um, a lot of what we came up with is, you'll see today, in the reports that are produced by you know, Cross Border 2 or even any of the big four firms. And I just want to quickly interject here and announce our first CPE code word. That code word is hyperventilate. Uh, these uh, to use in a sentence for the spelling bee you for the spelling bee participants out there uh, when I think of the changing regulatory climate in transfer pricing I want to hyperventilate is the CPE code word you touched on the sale to Thomson Reuters in 2007 but I want to even set the table a little bit up just a little bit before well, how would you count that was one of the impacts uh, that cross-border one had on transfer pricing uh, tell us a little bit more about the impact you feel it had when when you sold it well cross-border one showed people that transfer pricing could be done in software i mean when we first launched this no one no one even a lot of people didn't even know what transfer pricing was i can't tell you how much time we spent convincing the market yes you have to do this um it wasn't wasn't like it is today where everyone knows that transfer pricing has to be done in every country mm. it just wasn't there um, the other impact that the technology had was kind of showed that people could do it on their own, um, that you didn't need to work with a big four consulting firm and back then a big five, that this is something that can be viewed as a normal compliance activity that you could do in-house. Um, I think that was sort of two big changes that we were mm -hmm. able to accomplish, and, and, and we did that pretty well. And then, yes, and then we sold it to Thomson Reuters in 2007. And they maintained that software. I, I mean, they upgraded it. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess they're still using it today. One source, the, yep, the documentary one, that's tool. Right. That, that, that that's right. That was the, that came from our humble beginning. So everyone takes a vacation. Everybody sees the world. Or what do you, what do you do? What do you do? Um, I, after selling? <laughs> um, after we sold the company, I met my two kids. Um, I knew my, I actually knew my older kid. Because he, my, my, my older son, Jordan, um, at that point when he was one, two, and three, we still lived in the city. Yeah. So um, my wife would bring him to the office every day. Right. Our, our, our loft was right outside our office. And so I spent actually a lot of time with him in the office and stuff. So actually I knew Jordan. My second son, Sam, we had him after I moved to the suburbs. I left early 
to beat the traffic, and I got home late. He got up later than I and went to bed early. Mm -hmm. So I barely saw him. Um, so the first year and a half, two years after selling the company, I got reacquainted with Sam. I took him to all the mommy and me classes, daddy and me classes, <laughs> like Jimboree. I, I did all that almost for two years. Sam and I hung out. Um, and then I, 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 I did two other startups, and I was actually doing my third startup when Thomson Reuters called us up and said, would you like to do something again with your old transfer pricing software? And that was the genesis of Cross Border 2. Oh, did you think even a little bit before that with BEPS, with things changing, that, that there was going to be a market opening or that you would want to jump back in? You know, that is a great question. Um, yes. I've done a lot of startups now. And one of the things that we have seen is that there's good startups and bad startups. Good startups are ones that go like a rocket ship, and those are really fun. Yeah. Those tend to you look back on and say, wow, that was like the best time of our lives. Start startups that don't do so well are not as much fun, and you don't, <laughs> and you don't miss them. Um, we had alumni dinners. When we sold the company to Thompson, we were almost 300 employees at that point, maybe 270. Mm -hmm. um, and we had not annual, probably biannual reunions. And every time we would all get together, we would all say, you know what, the market is changing, there's bets. We should really get back into transfer pricing. Get the, band, like, yeah, back get the band back together. <laughs> and and we'd all be like, all right, no. We, we, it, we have been there, done that feel. Um, but finally, um, after Thompson got in touch with us, we decided that maybe we should take a little bit harder look at it. There was a lot, there was a lot changing. There was clear. There were two things that really excited us mm -hmm. about going back into transfer pricing. Um, the first thing that made us think about really going back into transfer pricing was the localization aspect. So many countries were coming up with their own regulations. It used to be that every country did the same thing, and you would change one little section of the report, and then everything else would be the same, because everyone basically followed the OECD guidelines. Um, it was a unified standard. But now, all of a sudden, back in 2016, 2017, all these countries, all of a sudden, started doing their own stuff. When you have 100 countries doing their own stuff, that calls out for technology, right? Because all of a sudden it gets much, much harder to comply. Um, so that was a solution set that I thought we can actually help solve. It sounds nerdy that we're yeah, excited about. Well, we're a tech company. Yeah, right? tech company and transfer pricing. So yeah, right. we're, uh, we're, we're, we're exciting people over here <laughs> on the cross border. Um, one of the things that really sort of got us going was the changes that were going on in the underlying technology, what technology could accomplish um, with AWS and the cloud and artificial intelligence, there seemed to be something that you can really do that special mm -hmm. that that wasn't there before when we built an access program. Yeah. That, you know, these are things that dreams were made of, so to speak, <laughs> right? I, I mean, if you dream about transfer pricing, 
But this is, but if you if you dreamed about what someone could actually do, and now you're looking at the technology, and you can actually do it, that sort of got us thinking that maybe it's time to get back into the business. Did the localization problem, as you saw it, already necessitate? You said it, you could tell it already necessitated technology. Did it necessitate artificial intelligence, or what you knew about no, it at the no, time? No, 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 no. You that no, the local, a little bit maybe. We will. We looked at the artificial intelligence as helping on the comp search piece, okay. which is related to the localization, yeah. because now every country has to do their own local comp search. Mm -hmm. So you get to it. Um, no, the localization was that when you have 78 countries having their own yeah. regulations, it's a, it's a complex solution set, and you really need some smarts and some technology to handle that efficiently and mm -hmm. effectively. Now, we, we've, we've gotten to the point of really getting to artificial intelligence. I think that's just very much something that's very different to the people who know about it than it is to the people who just use Amazon Alexa dots. Um, so let's, let's nail down a definition. What does artificial intelligence mean to you as compared to me just saying, hello, Alexa? Yeah, no, listen, I think that's a million-dollar question, right? I mean, if you go to... A couple million, maybe. Yeah, if, you, if, you go, if you go to 10 people on the street, yeah. And you say to them, what's AI? No one's going to be able to say actually what it is. What they'll say is, I've heard it. Everyone talks about it all the time. You cannot go. Uh, you watch TV for an hour, and someone's talking in a commercial about AI. Yeah. Um, and I think, I, think, I think if you look at it, it has, it's a very broad-based term with a lot of different meanings. And I think it means a lot of different things to different people, mm -hmm. um, and it, and it suffers, and that suffers from what you see with a lot of new technology. People don't quite understand what the capabilities are. Mm -hmm. They don't. They think that it could do more than it could really do. Right? If you listen to the commercials, AI is literally going to take over the world. And, yeah. and, and I don't think that's. And we'll talk about that. There's always hype around this, so everyone's always playing it up to be more than it is. There, there's a glo global climate change doomsday yeah. factor oh, to they, it. They, yeah. Listen, you, you can, you, you, I, I mean, what people think AI can do, and, and it can. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't mean to downplay its power, but there's, there, I don't think a lot of people know what it is, and then when they put marketing spins around mm -hmm. it. So I will tell you the dictionary definition. Let's start there. Let's, uh, I, I mean, that's the easiest way. And that's the capability of software to imitate intelligent human behavior. And, and that would lead people to believe, especially when they interact with uh, Alexa, it may, I'm sure mo more than a few Echo Dot users have figured out, you really can't have a conversation with Alexa. Those are pre-programmed answers. A that's lot of them. Not, a lot, well, so, yeah. no, there's different levels. Yeah. Um, and we could talk about that, but I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, on the short end, I'll, I'll get back to what AI is. But... On the short is, yes, you can program Alexa to say certain things, but Alexa actually has the ability to learn to hear things and then find new information. She actually goes a little bit deeper. And mm. I mean, so that let me, let me then back up a second. So if we say that's the capability of software to imitate intelligent human behavior, what you're now seeing with that definition is incredible computing power being mm -hmm. put onto this solution set. What computers can do now compared to what they can do three years ago is just, there, there's no limit to, to what the power that 
people have at their disposal. Mm -hmm. You use Amazon Cloud, which is what Cross Border Solutions uses. Yep. It's unlimited. I mean, there's no there's no processing. It's basically there's no processing. Um, what's the word for it? Limitations. Which right. Allows you to do some really amazing stuff. Now, let me give you a little bit more of a nuanced definition. Um, what there are two types of AI that I we look at it here, and I think a lot of people do. There's rule-based AI. Rule-based AI is basically decision trees, if X and Y, that have rules that say what you can do, mm-hmm. that how what what path you go down on your decision tree. The more rules that you put in to the solution set, the more powerful the AI. Right. Basically, a human, in many ways, makes decisions based on rules that they know. So rule-based AI is where you're basically having a decision tree, you're programming rules around what, based on some sort of stimuli, whether it's voice, whether it's something typed in, whether it's something that impacts the question, what the computer then or the software should do. That's, that is what we call rule-based AI. Mm-hmm. Now, there's then something called machine learning. Very different. Everyone hears about machine learning, right? And then is it, what is that then? Machine learning is a subset of rule-based AI, where the machine actually, or the software actually learns on its own how to handle that decision tree. It's learning based on what, what inputs they've seen before. And, and the classic example of a machine learning algorithm is Netflix. Somehow you go onto Netflix and they tell you what they want to see. Now, that's based on a rule-based AI mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. Here's what you should look at. But then it learned what you have liked in the past. And so now you have machine learning. I think the real power of AI in general comes from this enormous computing power coupled with machine learning and rule-based AI. When you put all those things right. together, you have a very, very, very powerful solution set that allows software to function much closer on how a human reacts to different situations. Does that does that make any sense? That makes that makes sense to me. I think that's a way better working definition to separate fact from fiction for the folks at home. So now let me ask you, why is AI with that definition so perfectly suited for tax? I understand. You know, I, yeah, yeah, and 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 I, and I think most people don't always say, "Oh, wow, it's tax." Now let's use AI, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I, I, I don't think that's where the first leap that most people make. But if you think about it, it's perfectly suited for them. Tax is its own language. Yeah. It's its own very formal rule-based environment. It's very technical in nature. It's very numbers-oriented. It tends to rely on big data. And it also tends to have very distinct problem sets. All these things allow you to create very sophisticated decision trees. And more importantly, it allows you then to have machine learning because it's doing the same thing over and over again so they can actually learn from the earlier inputs. Um, in some ways, tax is perfectly suited for it because you're really doing your own language. So you can basically program the software to understand a specific language rather than a general humanistic type approach. For sure. And in general, what areas will tax departments do you feel find artificial intelligence helpful? Tax compliance today is it's not local. And so you have very, very diverse set of rules worldwide. I think that's one way 
that you're going to see tax being very, very, um, AI being very applicable to tax. But where, where I think you're going to really see it, I mean, that, that's the greater solution set. Where you're going to see it where they automate routine, repetitive tasks. Um, mm -hmm. That involve large data sets. Um, solve, you know, where we're seeing AI being used a lot is with classification issues. Um, how do you classify expenses for correct treatment? How do you categorize sales for correct mm -hmm. treatment? Um, that's so classification problems using large data sets is certainly something you're going to see AI used for. You're seeing it with in the research area, mm -hmm. where you know. Traditionally, you do a lot of research in the tax world, right? You, you do a lot of research in the tax world, and it's historically been done using books, um, portfolios, and then it went online. I think you're going to start seeing a lot of research being done using natural language processing, you, mm -hmm. you know, saying, all right, what are the tax rates in country X, and then yeah. getting the answer. I think there, there's a lot of AI associated with that because the software has to understand what you're saying if you're not saying it in a very prescribed manner. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, there's so much, you know, there, there's a global environment, there's a global knowledge base out there on tax. I think AI is perfectly suited to bring some of those issues to the forefront. So you can right. say, all right, what, what do I have to do in country X? And you should yeah. be able to get that answer. And one more time, I want to interject really quick and announced our uh, second CPE code word. And that code word is catastrophe. What a catastrophe it is not to leverage uh, AI in doing our transfer pricing documentation. But you've, you've mentioned a few times that, you know, AI is perfectly suited for tax departments, and I know that's going to hit a few people's ears, uh, even if they understood our definition of AI. Yeah. They're going to hear that and say, is this coming for my job? Is this like driver driverless cars? <laughs> and something I, I know we found across border, uh, you know, with our PSG group is this is different. This is different for tax departments. Or, or how, do you, how do you see it? I watched something, I think, on HBO two weeks ago, and it talked about AI and how it's going to take over certain industries. And it was scary. I mean, I mean, I, the, the, the problem that they were talking about or the, the issue they were talking about were truck drivers. Yeah. Did you know truck drivers are, truck drivers are one of the largest industries in the U.S.? Turns yeah. out hundreds of hundreds of thousands of people do this important work. And they were showing on this HBO special how Basically, trucks are going to drive themselves. Yeah. I don't know if it's in two years. I don't know if it's in five years, but they're going to drive themselves. I, I, I just got a Tesla. Yeah. All right. And we, everyone can say what they want to say about Teslas. I drove from my house in Sarasota mm -hmm. to Tampa. It was an hour and 15 minute drive. The car drove by itself. Every now and then I had to touch the wheel to let them know I wasn't sleeping. It changed lanes. It got off at exits. It stopped on the road when there was a red light. If I was the second car, if you're the first car, it goes mm -hmm. right through and that you don't want. Um, I, it parked itself. <laughs> it literally parallel parked itself. Um, I got it out of the car. It locked itself. And this is, this, this is available today. So what I could tell you, and this was the point of the HBO special, that in five years, no one's driving a truck anymore. Right. And so that is scary. 
That is fundamentally scary. I mean, when, and they, they actually drove to a truck stop, and they showed these guys what's coming, and you could see their face. They're, they're, this is very different, though, because as you were mentioning with, with your experience at KPMG, there are uh, automated pattern behavior yeah. in tax, but that's right. not no, the no, whole no. story. This is that's different. different. This is a, I mean, so this is really different. I mean, this is going to replace what people do. Amazon, uh, they, talk, they, they talk all the time about what, how Amazon is automating um, what they're doing. I mean, there's going to be displacement. I don't think that actually applies in the tax world. They're not going to replace anyone tax. What, what I think you're going to find is it's going to more empower tax professionals rather than replace their jobs. Tax is too, um, there's too, I think it will, stop, it will allow tax professionals to stop doing manual repetitive tasks that, and allow them to focus more on the higher level stuff. There's a lot out there that, that doesn't suit itself well for the stuff that tax professionals do on a daily basis. I'll give you an example. And one of the reasons is because there's so many interaction, intersections mm-hmm. of different areas of tax. So if you're, doing, if you're doing something with mergers and acquisitions, let's just say that. Let's just say. It's a, that's a set. But it, transfer pricing is involved in it. Classification issues are involved. There's so many different interconnected sets to it that it's going to make it very, very hard for AI to assume that type of responsibility. Where you'll see AI be used are on these large, repetitive tasks of big data, which should then free up the tax professional to focus on the stuff that's more value-added. Note to multinational companies everywhere, if you think the coronavirus has affected your bottom line, take a look at how it's devastated the economies of governments around the world. And where do you think tax authorities will look to make up for all that lost revenue? That's right, your transfer pricing. You can't afford to be non-compliant, but then you probably can't afford to pay for an overpriced consultant who bills by the hour either. Oops, sorry, big four. We've got the answer, cross-border solutions AI-powered transfer pricing software keeps you in compliance by preparing accurate, hyper-localized reports that protect you from transfer pricing audits, penalties, and adjustments. And our technology is available for one flat fee, a fraction of what you'd pay a big-name consultant. Again, apologies, Big Four. Stay in compliance and on budget with cross-border solutions, AI-driven transfer pricing software. It's no wonder we're the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. There we go again. I'm so sorry, Big. You know what? Wait, who am I kidding? Sign up for a free demo of cross-border solutions transfer pricing technology today at xbs.ai slash tp that's xbs.ai slash tp so right there what should somebody hearing this as a tax professional where where should they think about the future in terms of maybe placing their skill set oh the the this this the skill set is on on value-added activities that are that that take real thought that take thought, judgment. That take judgment. That's not. That's not going to be replaced with AI. I don't think this is going to happen very cleanly, right? right? I think. I think. I think you're on to something. I think there's going to be a lot of impediments to tax departments adopting AI, even for repetitive tasks. Um, as you just mentioned, there's fear, uncertainty, and doubt. I think everyone's yeah. scared of it. And listen, you, you watch an HBO special. I'd be scared too, right? I mean, I literally, I, I literally said to my kids, "You got to watch this," because they were talking about doctors. My son wants yeah. to be a doctor. 
They were talking about doctors on no, the show. No, that's automated. What, that's... What, what's he going to do? They're, 20 years from now, he's... He, they're going to go into some place. You're going to give your X, Y, Z, and they're going to say, "Well, this is what's wrong with you." That right. whole diag, you know, the diagnostics of a doctor's job is probably going to go away. Surgery is being done by robots right now. But right? that doesn't require judgment. They right. put the judgment in the patient's hand. Just to draw well, that, it's, it's, it's almost like a decision tree, right? Right. It goes back to that decision tree AI, where you're basically saying, "Here's my symptoms." X, Y, Z. Okay, now let's look at this, and then mm -hmm. look at this, and there's rules around it. Um, listen, there are industries that are going to change radically. I don't know. I don't think tax is going to be one of them, but the repetitive tasks are going to go. Yes, and it's those repetitive tasks. Uh, you, you were saying before, <laughs> I was almost going to say on that note, uh, you know, drawing doomsday scenarios through that uh, HBO special. Uh, by coincidence, our first CPE code word is catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so uh, a little forethought and humor. And, and I, I just Shoot. want to finish up a thought that I was just having. I, one of the reasons that I don't also think that I think adopting AI is going to be slow going in the tax department is that it's hard to do, right? Mm -hmm. These algorithms are not easy to write. Um, more importantly, they tend not to be right the first time, right? They learn over time. So the first, it's not like, all right, we're going to spend, and it's expensive, we're, we're going to spend this much money and then we're going to get the perfect answer. No, that's not what's going to happen. What you're going to wind up doing is spending X dollars to come up with a classification product or program, and then it's not going to classify them all right. And then you're going to have to redo it again and iterate through, whereas the machine learning kicks in and starts to learn over time, you get better results. But I think, especially in corporations, if I spend X, I have to have Y, and I have to have it correct. Um, I also think that tax often looks for a black and white answer. You know, yeah. they, they need that specific answer. And I, I don't think AI is great for giving specific answers. It's, gay, it's very, very good for giving a range of results that then you can use your judgment to narrow down to the right answer. But it's never going to give you a black well, and white and answer. And just to underscore that, that is transfer pricing. Well, giving a range. Yeah, yeah. And, and, More and, than other forms of tax compliance. Right. Yeah, no, listen, I think... I think transfer pricing is in many ways perfectly suited for artificial intelligence. Let, let, me, let me tell you a little bit how we're using it here today across border. We developed a platform that we call Fiona. I think Fiona talks during these podcasts. So, and I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure she's going to say something at some point. Um, but the first, thing, the, first thing, the first thing that we do is um, we use natural language processing to through the platform to provide access to our knowledge base. So mm -hmm. this is, hey Fiona, what are the what are the documentation rules in Germany? Of course Germany follows the OECD guidelines. You know, a master file, a local file, and a country by country report. However, as you might expect, Germany has a few pesky additions. The German tax authorities want your report to include an executive summary of the intercompany contracts, essential intangibles owned and used by the taxpayer, and the names of company employees who have decision-making power over business relationships. And if that weren't enough, they also want a description of the value chain and the taxpayer's contributions to it. Now I'm certainly glad. I'm not the one who has to read through all of that. <laughs> well, neither would I, Fiona. Anyway, Don, back to what you were saying. That's that's our that's our. We know 
we, we have put our whole knowledge base on the Alexa platform from Amazon. And she answered us. Yes, and she, <laughs> and she can do that. Um, I think the other thing that you start seeing AI used for, at least we're using it for, is that we have very, very sophisticated decision trees that we talked about earlier that are rule-based that sort of um, help our customers comply with all the different local regulations, whether it's collecting documentation. So if you have a legal entity operating in Mexico, it knows to ask the user, what is your value chain? Mm -hmm. Versus if you have something in Canada, they don't care what your value chain is. The software is smart enough to know that. And you can see that in documentation. You can see that in comps or um, ranges. For instance, Australia uses one type of range, and Canada uses a one-year range, and the U.S. uses a three-year range. And the software is smart enough to know, based on the decision, decision trees that we have set up, based on where you are, how do you localize the transfer pricing analysis that you're doing. Um, I think the most exciting thing that we've done with AI at Cross Border Solutions number two is that we have applied machine learning and rule-based AI to the comp search portion mm -hmm. of a transfer pricing analysis. Traditionally, if you spent, let's say, big four firm will spend 40 hours doing a single comp search, a localized comp search. And that's the biggest expense of a transfer pricing project, and it's the biggest time suck of a transfer pricing product. And the way they do it is they have an analyst that looks at each description of the comparables. Maybe they go to those comparables website to make sure that the description is right that's in the database. Then they look at that financial data, and then they think about whether they should do it or not. And maybe they bring it in, and maybe they don't. It's kind of a subjective call. What we have is our AI actually reads the descriptions of one point in, in the time I say this. And this is, this is, this is actually yeah. really neat. In the time I say this, it looks at and reads the description of 1.8 million comparables, goes to their websites, looks at their websites, analyzes their financial data, and then comes out with the six best comparables. And they, it can literally do that instantaneously. From the point you started saying this yeah, sentence, that's, it's, it's really that fast. It just fast. did it, and it's done. And that's compared to a human who can really only do... When, when you do a comp search by hand, you can't do more than four or 500 comparables because otherwise you're just, it's just taking too long. Now, literally, you can look at the entire universe and come up with the best number for you. I think that's, I think we're really excited about that. I think, and, and, and what we use then machine learning to do is as we see these comps over and over again, all right, the machine learns that, oh, when you ask for a contract manufacturer in Poland, these are the six that keep coming up. And let's now we know which ones are better. And it, and it learns as it goes. That, that is some really, really, really powerful stuff on the transfer pricing side that we're really excited about. And, and, I, and I, think, I think the software that we've developed now, or the, the platform, the Fiona platform, has the ability to really, really change an industry. So not, uh, which was a very labor-intensive process normally done by outside consultants like the big four. I think now all of a sudden companies can all of a sudden have very localized reports. 
mm-hmm. that meet the regulations of every individual country, but they can basically get to about a click of a button. So it's sort of like TurboTax now for transfer pricing, and that's because of the AI and the processing power that allows us to analyze these huge data sets mm-hmm. in, in basically no time. Hi, I'm Matthew DeMello, and you may know me as the host of the Fiona Show Cross-Border Solutions Weekly Transfer Pricing Podcast. And while I love to discuss transfer pricing, this podcast isn't the only place you can hear me doing it. Cross-Border Solutions recently relaunched Transfer Pricing University, a live webinar series where you can learn about modern-day transfer pricing, everything from methodologies to comparables to preparing documentation to meet country-specific regulations. Good stuff, I know. Chief Economist Mimi Song leads the sessions. I just ask the occasional obvious question. Since our program is NASBA certified, you can earn one CPE credit for joining each session. Pretty sweet. So what are you waiting for? Join us for Transfer Pricing University every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Classes are free, so now you really have no reason to miss it. Sign up at xbs.ai slash tpu. You mentioned before that companies often go into AI, think, oh, it's going to solve my problems, click of a button, yay, done. You explained how that's not really the case. I, I assume that's got to be from some personal experience uh, implementing at cross-border. Tell us a little bit about the growing pains of implementing and bringing AI to cross-border uh, and how it's changed the company. Growing pains. Um, well, we first started this, we were learning this too in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we spent, we spent a whole a lot of money. I said before, one of the big impediments to implementing it is a lot yeah. of money. We, we spent almost $8 million building this platform. Um, the AI, yeah, specifically. The AI yeah, just that, to... yeah, we spent we spent almost $8 million building mm-hmm. it. Um, and, and it took us a lot of time. And then after, after we did it, we then used it internally for almost a year where we were using these same concepts, these rule-based concepts to do compl- um, Handle compliance for our customers, um, but now it's now you know, and the results were great, and we were kind of mind blown about how great the results were, and then we finally now then put an interface on it, where we can roll it out to our clients and let them use it on their own, mm-hmm. and I think I think we're really excited about where where it's going to go. Um, if you look out a year from now. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to be able to see some stuff that is really like real Star Trek stuff. Yeah. Like you'll 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 be able to say to your Echo Dot or to Fiona via your computer, Fiona, I want to run a profit uh, transfer pricing analysis for between these two countries for this transaction. Go, and you'll see a study show up in your email. I mean, that's that's where it's going to go. And if you take that one extension further, it's all, all this information stored in a database. Every study that we produce, like last year, I think we did 10,000 studies using Fiona. Um, one of the things that you're going to be able to do if you're a client or someone using the platform, you'll be able to say, Fiona, what were the results of the transfer pricing study of widgets between country X and country Y? And Fiona will go, the arms length range was between three and five percent, and they'll be able to give you the results. Or you'll be able to say to Fiona, Fiona, what's the ownership structure of this company? Who owns? Who's the majority owner? Fiona, tell me about where I'm at most risk. 
worldwide, and she'll be able to analyze everything and say you're at you're at risk for audit in these five countries. Um, all of this data is going to be able to be processed and learned, and it'll be literally at your fingertips. I mean, think about you know those uh, Star Trek fans. I, I don't know uh, hey, we're them. here. Hey, I'm we're here. here. All right. Come on. You, you know how you know you used to say computer, yeah, computer, and it comes out with the answer. That's where this is going to go. That's what we actually call Alexa in my house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is literally where it's going to go. Where the the data on 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 someone's situation is at their fingertips, and can be. Um, told to them, and more importantly, you're going to be able to tell the computer what you want, and all of a sudden, it's going to get done. Um, I think, I, and, and that goes back to empowering tax professionals, because yes, they, we took off from their plate the repetitive task of looking for comparables or figuring out what questions you have to answer in a certain jurisdiction. But what we are giving the tax professionals is the ability to have all this information right at their fingertips so then they can use it in value-added ways. And do the things that humans do best, which is make decisions. That's and right. And, and, and we're going to extend this platform to R&D tax credits and to some others really neat stuff over the next over the next year you'll see probably three different product lines come out i, I can't talk about them now um but th it's it's going to fundamentally change the way taxpayers deal with large data sets and sort of streamline their operations and let them focus on what they what they should be focusing on well, that just about wraps up our show for today. Thanks for being here, Don. Uh, post your transfer pricing questions on our Facebook page, and we'll answer them right here on The Fiona Show. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and get the lowdown on transfer pricing every week. Until next time, 